When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, all right. It's time to enter this football time machine of ours and go back to the decade either side really <laughs> we are passively labelled as the noughties the 2000s the football of its time I am Jake as always from What If Football and this is episode 64 of the Noughties Nostalgia Podcast where we're going to play another game yes I'm Jigsaw apparently we're going to play a game I like to call underrated overrated wombling free um details on that as we go on um if you do like podcasts like these we're on patreon patreon.com forward slash what if football we're from just one pound a month we've got five pieces of bonus extra special content for you lads who uh, subscribe to that um nostalgic podcasts like these written columns weekly podcasts alternate football universes video game stuff with football manager in as well and um fantastic let's kick on with today's show This is also a sports social podcast network production, remiss of me, not to mention our carriers today. We're here once a week though now, um, only only until the new year because uh, the Barclays going on a brief hiatus because we're at the end of the second season and we can't really cram the third season in before Christmas. So that'll, that'll be back in the new year, don't worry, it's coming back and we've also got some lovely Patreon teasers for you over the festive period whilst we're on a bit of a break because... Um, it's Christmas after all. Let's enjoy the festive period. And uh, as a my present to you is uh, some Patreon goodness as well. Great games podcast and a head-to-head podcast thrown in there. Bill dropping around Christmas Eve or New Year's Eve. So if you if you not want to go out on New Year's Eve and you want to hear my voice as you see in the New Year, <laughs> seek help. Um, but also, <laughs> thank you. Uh, also, if you if you get into that point around Christmas Day when you've had a few to drink and you. 
you're a bit pissed and you, 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 your relatives are annoying you about 8 or 9 p.m. That's usually my case. Anyway, just whack on a podcast and uh, <laughs> listen to my voice. Anyway, let's crack on with episode 64 in a game, as I said, I like to call underrated, overrated, wombling free. So the rules of the show, the rules of the game, you've all suggested, you've all climbed onto Twitter at what if underscore YouTube, if you were wondering, and you've all suggested players that you think are, or you think are overrated or underrated, and we're going to uh, decide, and um, whoever has the best sort of overrated player, best underrated player, I don't know, goes into a Hall of Fame alongside the obscure football lads. Who knows? We've not decided a, a metric for this yet, but uh, I'm sure, I'm sure we will as we. Um, as we go on, we'll be, we'll have a few episodes of this, I'm sure, alongside the uh, obscure football, which will be back next week. Don't worry, that'll be back next week. So we'll start with a biggie, <laughs> quite a big one, actually. Felipe Coutinho, as suggested by George Spencer. Hmm, this is a tough one to start on. Should have probably put this lower down the running order, but um, there we are. For me, on his day... And I may be going, falling right into George's trap here. On his day, I think he's world class. Um, I'm not overrating him, I don't think. He he has a special ability that I think has been lost um, by some viewers in the past few years. Of course, I think it takes a lot of time. It's not just easy as signing for a different club and then just instantly getting your form back like that. It takes time going to new countries, of course, as Felipe Coutinho has done. Let's not forget Liverpool plucked him from Inter Milan, Brazilian in Inter Milan, to Liverpool where he found his niche, where he, where he rose and matured alongside Liverpool, alongside you, Suarez, Sterling, Sturridge. And it came to a point where he was neither suitable in a three, neither suitable out wide, really, when Klopp was going for inside forwards, inverted wingers. And he sort of he was sort of in that in that period where there was less number tens. I think that's coming back slightly now, although not entirely. In that sort of period where there wasn't enough number tens, or there wasn't many managers playing with number tens. Everyone wanted to play four three three, be it tiki taka or gegen pressing, um, and there wasn't really a market for Coutinho. I think him being overrated now, I think, is a case of what happened with his departure from Liverpool. I think he was doing fine at Liverpool. Everyone, I'm not sure everyone would anyone would disagree with that. He was just wasn't fitting into a manager's plans, and that you know that's fine. The move though was unfortunate because it comes with Barcelona diving into the, one of the lowest canyons of their history, um, of course. And Felipe Coutinho had a bit of a hand in that, weirdly enough, didn't he? Uh, going out on loan to Bayern Munich again, going to another country, going to another club. I don't think that's helped. I think maybe I, I wouldn't be. I'd I'd love to see him back. Obviously, Newcastle is the big one, isn't it? And it keeps getting mentioned, but he's got a lot to offer. Still, I still think he does have a lot to offer. I don't think he is overrated. I think he's. I think this is um, view of this view now is a a byproduct of how he's dumped from Liverpool and going from Liverpool to Barcelona at that time, sort of uh, twenty eighteen, wasn't it? Um, I think that's a fair transfer. It's a good transfer for all involved. Barcelona get another decent attacking, obviously on paper, all this. Of course, I'm not saying it was great for Barcelona or Bayern. He flopped. He did flop, yes. I think he needs another move to sort of get himself 
up and out there. Let's not forget he had a good World Cup um, for as good as Brazil were. I mean, it's all relative, isn't it, really? Um, he's got a fantastic goal um, against Switzerland. We all forget. Um, and that's a World Cup goal. Can't take that away from him. Fantastic goal as well. Um, that was in his peak. Um, slightly off his peak. I still think he can do a job. I still think, I don't think he's overrated. I don't think he's ever this, ever been this hazard, these, these types of players. I don't think he's ever pushed to that pedestal. Um, I certainly didn't anyway. Um, I never thought of him like that. I thought of him slightly, just slightly below David Silva. Those types of, on his day, on his day, that's that, that type of really skillful fantastic goal scoring number 10 um creative uh, yeah uh, maybe that is overrated oh, who knows um i think he's a rung below you david silvers you're at eden hazard's those, those that ilk and again like eden hazard didn't have a great time of it when he uh went over to spain um la liga when they were about to move or just before they moved was the biggest league or rather the best league best performing league in the world and now it's a bit of a crumbling financial mess, really, is the Premier League source. So they kind of left at the wrong time, really. Of course, injuries do play a big part on a personal level as well. Moving to the Premier League for our next suggestion, Chris Kelly says, Gabriel Jesus. Now, again, I'm <laughs> another player I'm not sort of... Again, this <laughs> kind of comes at the wrong time that I'm recording this, really. Um, Gabriel Jesus just scored the winning goal against PSG in the Champions League group phase. So maybe that's going against Chris with this one. He says, I think a club with City's budget could do a lot better. Um, I just think he hasn't found his right position. I think in playing out wide and cutting in, I think that's the right position for him. And for this City team too. And You play... You play a, a centre forward there in the in the number nine role, or you could play a false nine. But I think with Pep Guardiola now, he's almost he's almost going to four four two. It seems in some phases of play, and Gabriel Jesus starting out wide without the ball, and then dropping into a four four two alongside, let's say, Harry Kane or Erling Haaland, the two big names that they're probably going to sign one of them anyway. I think that could be devastating for Man City in the next stage of their evolution. I think Pep's done a very good job of evolving quite a couple of times as Man City manager. And Gabriel Jesus was an early signing. I think it was one of his, was it first or second season where he signed for Man City? So it, it, it's a it's a long-term plan. He was very young as well, coming, from, coming straight from Brazil to England as well. That old cliche of having to adapt, having come from South America. But I still think he's done a good enough job. I think he's still got a lot to offer. Definitely. I don't think him succeeding Sergio Aguero, I don't think was ever going to work. Um, I think he needed a bit more of an experienced goal scorer, a bit more of a goal scorer, actually. I'd, and there's nothing wrong with not being a, a really prolific goal scorer if you're playing out wide, even in these days. I still think you can have a lot to offer. Like Coutinho, I don't think he was ever a prolific goal scorer. He, Never going to score 20, 25, 30 goals a season, is he? Gabriel Jesus might get a bit closer to that, but I don't think he's ever going to sustain that. I think he's a very good inside forward, inverted winger. He's sort of in that sort of 4-3-3 going into a 4-4-2 that, that Man City do like to play on occasion. Gabriel Jesus on the right, cutting in, I think is sort of stuff of dreams and fantastic from the bench as well. It's not just an 11 man sort of sport anymore is it and um i think yeah i think I don't, I don't think he's overrated i don't think he's overrated by anybody really um I, yeah he, they could do a lot better 
But I mean, what does that mean? Do you, Mbappe? I mean, <laughs> you, you, you can. You, they could go out and get Mbappe, but I mean, they've got Gabriel Jesus. I don't think. I don't think he's as bad as what you know some people may think. I think he just needs to find his position, nail that position down, which I do think is on the right wing and cutting in. Now this is a different, difficult one. <laughs> the slide rule pass blog and podcast suggest Paul Pogba and um, Shauna weighs in with this is satire. I assume <laughs> um, no beef on that um, Twitter thread. I hope <laughs> didn't want to cause a debate on here. Um, with all these uh, differing opinions. That's not what Twitter's about, is it? Um, anyway, Paul Pogba. Hmm. <laughs> Depends what Paul Pogba we're discussing, really, doesn't it? Um, we're discussing Juventus, Paul Pogba. We're discussing France, Paul Pogba. Manchester United, Paul Pogba, obviously, seems to pale into comparison. Now, I always state, and it's almost become a cliche to, quote-unquote, unlock Pogba. You need a number six to unlock Pogba to play in a 4-2-3-1. I don't think Paul Pogba really can play in a four, in a, in a two midfield. And yeah, you may say he plays alongside Kante, but you've also got Adrian Rabiot, usually out wide, who tucks in, which is more like a three, isn't it? So you do have that. And I don't think France don't play anything like what, um, what Man United do. Don't play roughly anywhere near the same system. Could say the calibre of players, I, I, I think that gap's closed a bit now, to be honest. Um, maybe not in midfield, um, maybe that's a la- the, the sort of area that they're lacking a little bit. I just don't think he's got, he hasn't got his correct partner. And even, I don't care if it's a cliche, he hasn't got his correct partner in midfield for Manchester United. Now you see Juventus, you've got a lot of midfield talent in there. Vidal, Perlo, Marquisio. A midfield for the ages and obviously behind him it, that does also help behind Paul Pogba at United defensively historically you've not had the best Maguire and Varane is probably the best he's probably had behind him now for France you've got seemingly an endless conveyor belt of world-class centre-half so we don't need to worry about that one uh, Varane included of course and then for Juventus um, that just goes without saying doesn't it um, in at a time they had Barzagli, Chiellini, Benucci as a defensive three. Now that is just stupid. That is absolutely ridiculous. The <laughs> you got three generational centre halves in one team. Absolutely wild. And two of them are still there at Juventus um, ten years on. Um, I think uh, it's hard, isn't it? He's underachieved. He's definitely underachieved at Man United. There's no doubt about that. Whether or not he's overrated personally. Hmm, I think, yeah, you do. he cannot play in a six. He's never played in a six and been successful. Um, we've seen that when he dropped a little bit deeper for France in the most recent Euros, was at fault for one of the goals when they got knocked out. But also in that game, scored one of the best goals of the tournament. So you have those two sides of him. Um, there's always untapped potential, or so it seems. I think... I think as an eight, rather than trying to play him in a double pivot, which is what Man United seem to do, he's not great from the left, although it didn't really ever equate for Man United as a transitional counter-attacking team. <laughs> um, it never really seemed to sort of gel, but from the left, he had his best performances for United, I think. Um, and, you know, he was never going to work really in sort of that position. I think... In a three, Bruno Fernandes a bit further forward as a 10, him as an eight and a world-class number six with a better defence. 
<laughs> it's sort of like building a team around him to be actually good. Um, this is probably the closest I've got to coming close to agreeing with an overrated. Um, we will... Uh, hmm. <laughs> Difficult. Difficult. I think I'm, I'm, maybe my Manchester United bias is creeping in a little bit here. Um, but uh, let's just say, to be contrary, and I'll say yes, he's overrated. Um, yeah, there we go. Um, finally, uh, well, not finally, uh, David Jessup. My friend's dad, Dave. Hello, Dave, if you're listening. <laughs> Raheem Sterling, he says, just a bum on legs. Now, <laughs> for his club side, for his club side, he's not had the best of form. But again, like Gabriel Jesus, this has come at the wrong time for me recording this one because he's just scored against PSG in that win. <laughs> so it's not a very good time. But for his, clubs, for his club team, not very good at the moment. He goes through these patches, doesn't he, unfortunately, for City, where he either scores quite a lot and he's quite prolific in front of goal or he doesn't, and that sort of seems to trend with what Man City are doing now this season. They've not been great in front of goal. They waste a ton of chances. Um, Raheem Sterling does seem to be on trend with City. In the treble winning team, the 2019 domestic treble winning team, he was out of this world, one of the best players on the planet on form. Um, and maybe I'm falling into the trap again of underrating him. And... Um, for England, though, I think he's a completely different player, as we'd seen at the Euros. Um, fantastic. Um, England's, arguably England's best player. Certainly the player who, did he score most? I think Harry Kane might have scored one more than him, but um, along the same lines as Kane in terms of goal scoring prowess and uh, delivered such fantastic moments. So I can't overrate him for that. I can't mark him as overrated for that purely because of those moments in the summer. Maybe not in the previous World Cup or previous Euros or whatever, but... That Euros was just special, wasn't it? And um, in terms of the bum comment, I think Eden Hazard is probably the bummiest of players. Surely, maybe we'll <laughs> maybe we'll do a whole bum episode soon. Maybe some people may say all oh, your episodes are bum episodes, but uh, there we go. Um, another one, another Man United one, which is going to be difficult for me. Tom Moore suggests Harry Maguire, massively overrated. He says. Now I think, then <laughs> come with me on this journey. I think he's underrated. <laughs> Overpriced, yes, is not his fault. Overrated, I don't feel so. Yeah, overrated, you may think, yeah, well, his price tag makes him overrated. In terms of performances, I don't think, has he lived up to that price tag? Um, qualifying for the Champions League in two years, I think almost earns back that 80 million, doesn't it? When you factor in the, the Champions League qualification and the money you get from that and qualifying for the knockout stages, getting to a Europa League final, the also the the loss that Manchester United would suffer from not being in the Champions League by their shirt sale, sales and other commercial income. So you can go down those routes, which um, are boring. Um, in terms of, uh, it's obviously, I think it's quite on vogue and quite popular to bash Harry Maguire. Um, and he's an easy target. I think it's not almost, I don't know, it's maybe shallow, maybe sort of... I think if he looked, if he looked different, say if he looked like John Stones, I don't think he would nearly come in for as much criticism. Um, he's got a massive head, of course. Yeah, that's the point. <laughs> With that massive head, he's become England's most prolific centre-half, which is true. He scores vital goals for England at tournaments as well. And I think he's probably, on a performance level for England, one of the best centre-halves they've had in a long time. Yes, you may have had Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, Sol Campbell, who may have been better ability-wise, but in terms of actually 
playing for England um, and, you know, taking England to certain games. He's gotten, gotten two quarterfinals. I mean, Sol Campbell may have done that, but they were both wrongly disallowed. But, you know, that, that's just the look of the draw, really, isn't it? Um, Harry Maguire, I think he's underrated, if anything. Um, he's also my son's favourite footballer, so... And I've got a bit of a soft spot for him and I'm biased. So maybe that's maybe that's it. Um, Slabhead, yeah, he's, he's underrated for me. Um, and our final two suggestions for overrated. Alex Rhodes says Mason Mount. And I'm kind of on the kind of the same lines as Harry Maguire here. I think he's he got all this flack when he was coming to Chelsea, wasn't he? Because he's a Frank Lampard's boy. And, you know, Tuchel was gonna do the right thing and just ditch him and somehow he's retained his spot because he's actually quite good. Um, Champions League winner and um, played his part for England as well it's got to be said um, I think he's underrated if anything you, you, you get all these players like Kai Havertz coming with amazing transfer fees and yes Kai Havertz did win the Champions League with that goal and a fantastic player as well he seems to take all the plaudits and it's kind of like a re- weird reverse thing maybe it's maybe Chelsea fans Chelsea, Chelsea fans will love him academy product etc I don't know if it's the same thing with other players who get like rival fans get a lot of give a lot of flack to Mason Mount because he's an academy product. I don't, it's really bizarre. I think the same, the reverse is true for, you know, other players, but I think he's fantastic. Very creative, can score a goal, of course. First hand in terms of Man United's got a great free kick for Derby County in the League Cup. Uh, that's the first time I'd heard of him. Um, yeah, just a fantastic player. I think he's underrated, if anything. Um, when you compare him to the, you know, the litany of talents that Chelsea have got in that position, Fantastic. And Harry Holland finally with the overrated section. Jermaine Defoe. Hmm. He's in the Premier League 100 club. Fantastic footballer. Um, prolific. Everywhere he's gone, really. Um, hugely successful for Tottenham. I mean, taking them to the Champions League. I don't think he's overrated. I don't think he's underrated either. I think he's... Well, I just think he's rated. I think he's quite good. Um, he's, he's not like, he's never the man, was he, anywhere where he's really been? Not even at Bournemouth, at Tottenham, he struck up a good partnership with Robbie Keane and numerous partnerships with Peter Crouch at Portsmouth and Spurs as well. West Ham is quite good. England, he's sort of had his bit of his pomp at the 2010 World Cup. I think if he was overrated, he would be constantly in those teams, but he was never seeming to be sort of the man for England. I mean, 2010 World Cup, he was, that was the only sort of tournament I can really remember him actually playing at, really, um, which is really bizarre when you consider how how great he is in front of goal and what a fantastic sort of England forward he is. He's always like number three or four in the line, wasn't he, unfortunately, but um, I don't think he's overrated. We'll start with one I've gone on record before and said, yeah, he's the most underrated footballer ever from the FT LOL podcast, David Beckham. And yeah, I mean, I've, I've said it all before. David Beckham, for me, is the most underrated footballer of all time. I think his outside activities, his extracurricular activities, of course, take precedent. He's, you know, he's probably more famous for not playing football now more so than what he is, which automatically underrates him, I think. One of the best crosses of the ball of all time, one of the best free kick takers. And I can go back to the Man United thing, probably biased. He was the reason I supported Man United in 98 in the first place, but... Um, there we are, <laughs> probably biased with that one. But yeah, he's definitely, everyone says, oh, Sinisa Mihailovic, Juninho, Messi, but David Beckham's free kicks, come on. He needs to be talked about a lot more in those circles. I think he's on, he's on the path to being forgotten about as a fantastic free kick taker, which is wrong on all levels. Now we go to underrated. Um, 
the other sections after David Beckham here. Jordan Henderson was suggested by Chris Kelly. Now, hmm, I think you can split it from the second that he lifted that Premier League trophy because beforehand he was, obviously it doesn't help that he was, he was coming in when Steven Gerrard and Liverpool really um, weren't performing quite well, almost got swapped for Clint Dempsey, um, which said how how criminally undervalued he was at that time, um, sort of administration days, early Brendan Rodgers days, those so 2012, 2013 time. And over time, I agree, he was underrated. Midfielders, I think now they're far beyond being overlooked now. N'Golo Kante shut that firmly down with... Uh, and so I think it came a bit too late for Michael Carrick, who I think is, again, massively underrated. Owen Hargreaves. I'm just listing Man United players here, aren't I? Um, let me just... Uh, Abu Dhabi. Claude Mac- Although Claude McAuley has gone almost to a point of overrating, even though he's fantastically good. I'm not going to say he's overrated, but he's got, you know, he's so underrated, he's overrated, that type of thing. And Golo Kante never got there because he's just that good. Uh, Jordan Henderson, um, I'm not saying he's on that level, but he's... Um, Fantastic player. Um, I don't think he's underrated anymore. He's lifted the Champions League. He's lifted the Premier League. We all know now. And I think we've moved on to fullbacks being the one. We sort of like a convey belt. Obviously, we all celebrate the strikers and you get the wingers. I think wingers are making a bit more of a, a bit more of a comeback now when they're becoming goal scorers and the position's been a bit more refined. So the number 10s, of course, all these players that we've rated before, these lads, uh, centre-halves, maybe before central midfielders, really. Um, maybe that's an English thing with, the, you know, the Terry Butcher, blooded bandage around the head, Paul Ince in the midfield as well type of thing. Sort of blood and guts defender. And then midfielders, I think, were the ones next to be uh, next to be rated. And fullbacks now, I think, are the ones, really. You see all these, you spend... Two seconds on Twitter, you see Reese James, Trent Alexander-Arnold, you know, Yao Cancelo as well, Ben Chilwell, all being, you know, sort of compared and contrasted and all these things. And now they're the ones in the in the, uh, in the the spotlight, so to speak. And there's only really one position now, and it's the goalie. And if not already with, you know, Edison and, you know, ball-playing goalkeepers, all that deal, which seems so alien for so long in English football, which is so weird, really, when you consider that they are professional footballs. They ought to be able to kick a ball and find a pass and sort of ping a ball from, you know, 30 yards. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think we've sort of almost got got the full sort of positional thing, really, until like positions are going to be like more and more refined and in the future where we, we sort of like un- overlook some players. I think Jordan Henderson's not in that bracket anymore. Along similar lines, Ashley Westwood again suggested by David Jessup and a Burnley fan is going to suggest a Burnley player, wasn't it, for underrated player? And I think you could probably just chuck in most of Burnley's squad though with this because I think Ashley Westwood, yeah, we we do, I don't think we overlook midfielders anymore. David says he's majestic. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a fantastic player and I think Burnley players... In terms of the system, they all fit and they're all, they're just a fan, they're just ineffable, really. How they manage to survive each and every season, every year you think, oh, I, I, to be fair, I never tip them for relegation, but uh, everybody else seems to. It's just a very, very drilled down way of playing football. 4-4-2, 4-4-1-1, maybe throwing a bit of spice there, play with a shadow striker instead of two up top, which is kind of what they're doing at the minute with Maxwell Corner. Pretty much any Burnley player from the past, well, since he got promoted, so what's that, 2016, is it? Um, every single Burnley player has been, to a point, underrated. Maybe with, 
even Dwight McNeil, I was going to say with the exception of Dwight McNeil, but even Dwight McNeil potentially should be in the England squad or knocking on the door of the England squad and seen as this wonder kid. Never really gets talked about, really. I, I don't know if it's a geographical thing, because it's Burnley, maybe if it swap them with Southampton and maybe they'd be lording over them like James Ward-Prowse or whatever. It's, I don't know. It's, it's, it's bizarre, really. And it's not like Burnley play such a, a long ball, unattractive style of football. They do actually play quite good pressing football that people just seem to, I don't know, forget about. And Ashley Westwood, you can throw Josh Brownell in there, you throw Good Monson in there, you can throw, oh no, Tarkovsky and me, perfect defensive partnership. And I do like Charlie Taylor. I'm pretty much just naming the whole Burnley team. And it just goes to show Burnley, I think, Maybe a product of the geography, really. I think if you slap them in London, everyone's raving about them being this sort of like Bournemouth, really. Although, obviously, not in London. Um, there's this team. Burnley, when you watch them, very high pressing, can play good football. And it's just because they've got Sean Dyche with his stone cold Steve Austin look and his voice like he's eating a bunch of gravel from Marshalls. There you go. Um, <laughs> it's a fantastic uh, team. And uh, moving on to. I was going to say a more refined player, more continental player, players won it all. Samuel Eto'o uh, from the left-sided problem podcast. He says, um, yeah, I, he's never in the conversation for one of the best centre-forwards of his generation. Um, and he should be for me. You always talk about Samuel Eto'o, you talk about Thierry Henry, you talk about Ronaldo, um, Brazilian Ronaldo, of course. Samuel Eto'o should be in the conversation. He's one of the few players to win successive Champions Leagues with different teams, Barcelona in 09, into Milan in 2010, a fantastic centre forward. Um, underrated, I think he's just on the precipice of being underrated. I think as time goes on, say if we record this in, let's say five years, when the memory's faded a little bit, I think, yeah, he'll be underrated. Like I think what, kind of what Romario is now, you never hear about when people talk about the biggest goal scorers of all time. You never see his name really lumped in. I think he should be in there. I think he's underrated. Samuel Eto'o will get to that point because, you know, with time, you forget you forget these types of players. And uh, the left side of Problem Podcast, in terms of managers, says Alan Pardew. Um, and again, a bit like Jordan Henderson here, as a manager, um, I think he can split this with one particular moment when his head touched David Myler's head. Because <laughs> at that point, he just went off a cliff, really. Had six-year contract and all that funny business behind that. Um Strange, strange, wasn't it? A strange career. Is wasn't he out in Bulgaria or Cyprus recently? I think his time's gone in the Premier League, unfortunately, or, or fortunately, where, where where our allegiances lie, sort of thing. Um, did fantastic things for Crystal Palace. Let's not forget, as a player and a manager, they've been in two FA Cup finals. Pardew was part of both of them as a player and a manager. Um, underrated as a manager. Gonna have to do a manager edition now, aren't we? Um, <laughs> and Sean Dyche will be top of it, probably <laughs> as underrated. Um, I, I, I don't think he's. With Newcastle, it started off so well. It started off really, really well. Um, with almost getting to the Champions League, uh, whether or not he was shackled, probably you got to say with Mike Ashley. Um, Crystal Palace started off well again. And, I don't think he's underrated. I'm just going to err on the side of banging him straight. Almost, well, not over. I don't think he's overrated in terms of English managers getting all these jobs off the back of seemingly nothing, which I think that's time's gone, thankfully, um, as uh, time's moved on. 
Um, Joe suggests, um, and because he's an Arsenal fan, of course, Alan Smith, not the Leeds Alan Smith, the, the Sky commentator on a sun, Super Sunday, Alan Smith. Um, because of the strikers, this is his, his voice here, because of the strikers that came after him, I um, completely agree with that point. Thierry Henry, Dennis Bergkamp, Robin Van Persie to an extent, Aubameyang, Sanchez, all these lads. And yeah, and let's not forget Anfield 89. Who gets all the plot? It's Michael Thomas, George Graham. Who's got the first goal? Of course, Alan Smith. And that's, yeah, that's probably kind of a good um, encapsulation of his career. Um, probably more well-known for his commentary now, which is sad. A bit, almost straight into the Andy Gray territory a little bit. Um, hopefully he doesn't go off and uh, spout some sexist nonsense and go and live in a desert. Who knows? Maybe that's his career trajectory. <laughs> and we'll end with two final underrated, which I'm going to agree with on both of these accounts, really. Gooty is suggested by Alex Rhodes. And almost to a parody, um, Gooty was underrated. You, you see that um, the, that, back, that back heel assist every now and then, don't you, on Twitter? If you go on Twitter, um, you see that on rotation. <laughs> Seems that every couple of months. And... Um, yeah, in a world of Galacticos um, is how the trailer would start. Guti would um, be kind of an odd one out, really, um, when they were signing Ronaldo, Zidane, Beckham, Figo, all these lads, Raul before, Roberto Carlos, etc., etc. He was the one who was kind of stuck around before and after, really. Um, never really took the plaudits, probably deserved to in the end. Um, and then finally from Harry Holland, Harry Kewell. Now he's one of the best players best young players of his time around sort of late 90s, early 2000s, probably slightly venturing outside underrated compared to Guti, but he was PFA Young Player of the Year, potentially, which says um, he wasn't underrated. But I think after after those first two years, I think that was, what's that, 99, 2000, he won the Young Player of the Year. Um, he, he was he's lauded, obviously, um, Leeds were just about to get into the Champions League. I think after that, when he moved to Liverpool, I think it becomes underrated a little bit. And obviously, I think when he left England, obviously it goes off a bit of a radar really then with the, with the time and football not being as available. Obviously to Leeds fans, he won't be, he's not as liked as much now for, for the clubs he turned out for after Leeds. Um, kind of understandable with that one. Um, but for his time for those five years or so, when he was between Leeds and Liverpool, fantastic tricky winger creative could score a goal or two Champions League winner as well let's not forget but admittedly was injured and didn't play any part in the three goals for Liverpool but um, definitely underrated we'll be back with another game next week on the Noise Nostalgia podcast no it's not another underrated overrated wombling three it's obscure footballer round three which kind of rhymes so yeah, there you go um We'll be also discussing the Hall of Fame picks from uh, the previous game. And that will be our final episode on this Sports Social Podcast Network until the following year. So until then, thank you for listening and continued support listenership, of course. Thank you, Sidi, and Happy New Year. Network. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.